0: Welcome everyone to What Did I Just Watch, a podcast that will never, ever look at measuring tape and baby bottles the same way ever again, ever. I am your host, Andrew, and this is episode 81, season series volume 2, episode 30. How is everyone doing? Hopefully another great week of movie watching, TV watching, and prep for spooky season because it is in full-fledged here. And let's get right into it because we got a lot to talk about this week and we're going to start that off with our interesting news for the week of October 24th, 2022. And we're going to start off with some of the box office news and this week we got a couple of new films releasing in theaters first one is called pray for the devil not too familiar with it we think we've seen one or two trailers about it and it is a horror thriller so you know that is a hard pass especially if it's a religious horror thriller and we can't do none of that supernatural religious horror because it freaks us out and we can't relate so it doesn't resonates with us but if it does resonate with you and you do watch it please let us know what is up with the film and whether you liked it or not and we'll look forward to hearing from that next film is also in a wide capacity it is a movie called tar and it is about a disgraced composer played by Kate blanchett it looks fantastic. The only thing holding us back from watching it is actually the runtime, which is two and a half hours, or a little bit north of that, and that's intense, but we'll try to eventually find our way to get our eyeballs on it. We're going to want to watch it because we love Kate Blanchett as an artist, and we just look forward to watching it because it seems to be a somewhat interesting and a very relevant subject. So... We'll see how that goes, and we'll let you know our thoughts when we get our eyes on it. So next two films are in a limited capacity. First one is called Call Jane, and it is probably a lesser-known film, but the subject of the film is probably more prominent and relevant than ever, and it has to do with women's rights to get an abortion. But it's very, very relevant and just a way to kind of inform people on what it was like back then and shockingly and unfortunately very similar situation now so go check out that film if you are interested we are definitely gonna find our way to watching it because we love elizabeth banks sigourney weaver's in it as well so we're gonna try to watch it and we'll let you know what happens and our thoughts on it when we get our eyes on it. So the second film and the last film that released this week that we're going to be talking about is also in a limited capacity and that is a film called Armageddon Time. Now we only heard about this very recently and we've seen a trailer for it and from what we understand again it's also a very relevant and prominent film relating to the news headlines this particular past couple of months and we don't want to make light of that subject but it's sometimes maybe the only way to reach someone is through film which is kind of ridiculous but if you want to send a message send it through films it's it's a way that catches our attention so maybe this is a way that it could bring light to a certain situation and raise awareness on a particular topic that needs more attention and Hopefully, this, these films can do that. So check it out. We're definitely going to, of course, try to check it out as well. Armageddon Time is the name. So we got to Pray for the Devil and Tar in wide release and Call Jane and Armageddon Time in a limited capacity. Go check it out if you are a fan or interested in checking out any of those films and let us know what you think. And as always, we will let you know what we think when we eventually get our eyes and minds on those films so let's get into some film and tv news we're gonna start off with our weekly mcu news and this week we got a few things to talk about the first one is the guardians of the galaxy holiday special it has a trailer and a release date we're very very excited this trailer is all sorts of goodiness with the guardians of the galaxy and probably the best thing about it and most shocking feature of it is the kind of the MacGuffin or purpose of the Guardians holiday special, the legendary Kevin Bacon. So he is the gift that the Guardians are trying to obtain to cheer up Peter Quill with, and that's hilarious. So we can't wait to see it. You know, anything MCU-related is always going to catch our attention and will definitely something be looking forward to. So if you are looking forward to it, The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special will be premiering on the Disney Plus streaming service on November 25th, 2022, just in time for Thanksgiving. So go check it out when it is released. You know we definitely will. And we will let you know our thoughts when that happens. The next bit of MCU news is Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania has a trailer it is awesome it is weird it's quirky and very very intriguing because of all the different elements and just new elements that will be brought to the table and this will be the film that kicks off phase five of the mcu and it's gonna be kicking off with a bang because kang the conqueror is the bad guy played to perfection by the impeccable and beautiful jonathan majors we can't wait to see his interpretation of kang in this one as opposed to he who remains in loki season one but we're looking very forward to watching this as with any entry in the mcu and we look forward to seeing how this will play out and that is also because they added another cast member to this film and that is in the form of william jackson harper from the good place And you probably know him from The Good Place as he played cheaty and he probably won't be his very cheaty self. He'll be a little bit different in this and we're hoping it will be a major MCU player in the future. But if not, that's okay. At least we get his presence for a little bit in this film. We're looking forward to seeing him and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania when it hits theaters February 17th. 2023, which is very, very soon. So that is it for our weekly MCU news. Let's get on to some actual film and TV news, and we're going to kick it off with what is probably the biggest news for this week, and that is the DC Films. TV and animation division has finally found their leader or leaders in the form of James Gunn and Peter Safran and that is correct you did not hear us incorrectly it is James Gunn of Guardians of the Galaxy fame he will be running things over there taking over as we said film TV and animation division so it will be also getting a renaming now will be called DC Studios so Very, very cool and looking forward to seeing what James Gunn and Peter Safran has to offer. They both were responsible for bringing the Suicide Squad that came out in 2021 to life and they are going to be heading future properties that is related to DC in the future. We look forward to seeing what they have and what kind of change they can bring to that universe as They seem to be playing catch-up, but that should never be the point because Marvel has started way before and DC should just do its own thing and focus on the interesting characters that it has and working on those. So we look forward to seeing it because the next film to come out is actually Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which we probably don't think James Gunn would have too much effect on, but... We look forward to seeing it and how it will play out in the future because they apparently have a overarching story that will link up and just create a franchise and universe that will be very coherent and we look forward to seeing that. One more quick thing associated with that news headline is that it will also be called the DC Universe. It was formerly known as DC Extended Universe, but that was not an official name for it. So the official name for all the DC properties, the TV, films, and animation will be under the moniker DC Universe. So DCU, if you will. The next bit of movie news is that the Mad Max Fury Road prequel Furiosa has finished shooting or at least Anya Taylor-Joy has confirmed she has filming her parts and that's a good sign it's moving forward and we look forward to seeing it because Mad Max Fury Road one of our favorite films of all time and in recent history and we can't wait to see it when Furiosa smashes and drives its way into theaters May 24th 2024 so the next bit of movie news is our favorite actress of this particular era is getting a new psychological horror film reteaming with someone that she made another movie with and that is Sidney Sweeney reteaming with Michael Mohan for a horror film called Immaculate. Now, not much is known about this film other than the director, but... A little briefing about this film is that Sweeney will play Cecilia, a woman of devout faith who is offered a new role at an illustrious Italian convent. Her warm welcome to the picture-perfect Italian countryside is soon interrupted as it becomes clearer to Cecilia that her new home harbors some dark and horrifying secrets. So, we should also mention Mohan. And Sweeney previously collaborated on The Voyeurs. And that was a very erotic thriller film we recommend watching. It's very, very interesting. But if you want to check out more of Sidney Sweeney's stuff that we recommend, she's in Euphoria. She's going to be in Barbarella. She was great in The White Lotus. But she's a very great actress. And we can't wait to see her do more stuff. And we look forward to seeing this psychological horror film. Much to our chagrin of not wanting to watch horror movies because it freaks us out the next bit of movie news is don't drink too much water avatar the way of water or avatar 2 will have a gargantuan runtime of three hours and 10 minutes that is a lot now we've been debating whether we should actually watch avatar the way of water we haven't watched the first one we haven't watched the whole movie But it's going to be a dilemma for us because the only thing that is remotely interesting to us with the Avatar films is the visuals. We love visual effects and just the process and technicalities of making that kind of stuff. But other than that, it's hard for us to be convinced to watch it because it's such a long movie that it deters from the fact that It's not interesting enough for us with just the visual effects holding our attention. We need something else, but that will remain to be seen when we actually watch the first one. We'll let you know. But maybe we will, maybe we won't. That will keep you updated as the date gets closer for the release of Avatar The Way of Water, which is December 16th, 2022. Very, very, very close from now. The next bit of film news is also our last film news of the week, which will kindly segue in to our TV news as well, which is Henry Cavill has officially announced that he will return as Kal-El, a.k.a. Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman. And he did that through his Instagram, where he announced that, yes, he will indeed be playing again in the future and that is because he made his return on the big screen in a post-credit scene or mid-credit scene for Black Adam and he confronted Teth Adam, Black Adam, and he will hopefully clash with him in the future. It's nothing set in stone but just seeing the sight of Henry Cavill return as Superman is something we cannot be happier about because we love the Henry Cavill's portrayal of Superman and Cal el and Clark Kent and we just can't wait to see more of it he is a great actor and it's something that we hope to see more of and a different side of Superman if we can to see some more jolly version of his Clark Kent and there's a reason why he's playing Superman which will segue super nicely into our TV news and that is because he is being recasted In The Witcher Season 4. Yes, that is our first bit of TV news for this week. And it is The Witcher will be recasting Geralt of Rivia. Because Liam Hensworth will be taking over that role of Geralt of Rivia. In Season 4. Because Henry Cavill will be playing Superman again. So you take some. You lose some. You gain some. And you, obviously, again, lose some. But, hey, we'll take what we can get. Liam Hemsworth is a great actor. But we'd much rather see Henry Cavill as Superman than him as Geralt. But he did do pretty good as Geralt in The Witcher. We've only seen Season 1. Haven't seen Season 2 yet. But we'll let you know because Season 3 will be coming out pretty soon. And we look forward to seeing his swan song for Geralt in The witcher when season three premieres sometime next year in the summer of 2023 on the netflix streaming service but also look forward to seeing him as superman cal l and clark kent in a future dc film maybe tv show but we're very very excited is the main point of these two news headlines So the next bit of TV news is in the form of a trailer for a TV show we didn't know that we're very excited to watch, and it's called Poker Face. It is being led by two people we're big, big fans of. The creator or the showrunner for this is Ryan Johnson, who directed some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad, also will be directing the two Knives Out films, or directed one and about to release the most recent one, and responsible for The Last Jedi, the Star Wars movie, but we're very, very excited to see what he has to bring to the table in the form of a television series because he hasn't done too many television series in a while, and he's doing it in a genre where he excels clearly at, even though he only did one, Knives Out, one, but we're very excited. It's also being led by the cast in the form of Natasha Leon, who we love in The Russian Doll. And we love us a whodunit murder mystery, and this seems to be the case, Poker Face. And we are looking forward to watching it because, you know, we love that stuff. And this trailer gives us just a little bit of tease of what we need and look forward to seeing it when Poker Face will be premiering on the Peacock streaming service every Thursdays on January 26, 2023. The next bit of TV news is a trailer for a TV show we don't watch, but we do know a lot of people do, which is Succession Season 4. And very cool. We're not exactly a watcher of this show, but the new season will be premiering next year in early 2023. Nothing set in stone yet, but stay tuned for more news on when Succession Season 4 is is released because we know that's a very popular show don't bother convincing us to watch it it's not a show for us we've seen what it's about it's definitely not our cup of tea but you can always do your best to try to convince us we can maybe turn the tide so never say never and the last bit of tv news for this week and news in general is a amazon prime video tv series called foodtopia but if that doesn't sound familiar, this might because it is a spin-off or a sequel or of the same franchise as Sausage Party, which was an animated film that was released all the way back in 2016. Now, it is definitely not your typical animated film. It is raunchy at its best, and it was insane as to what it was able to show. And we loved it. It was super funny and ridiculous. But we can't wait to see what this animated series has. Because if that film was a indicator of what's to come, then this series will go absolutely wild without the restraint of a rating from the MPAA. And TV, there's no holds bar limit because it is on the Prime Video streaming service. We can't wait. We'll definitely keep you up to date on more news, but it will probably be streaming on the Prime Video Streaming Service sometime in 2024. So we'll keep you up to date on that. And that is it for this week's interesting news for the week of October 24th, 2022. And let's move in to our next segment of the evening. And that is our What Did I Just Watch Week. And that is a segment where we talk about all the film, TV Books, anime, anything that we consumed of the sorts as a form of entertainment. And we give our quick thoughts on it, whether we liked it or enjoyed it. And just let you know what is up with our entertainment consumption. So this week, we saw nothing. Nothing but television. So let's get right into it. So, first thing that we saw is the season finale of season one of house of the dragon and it is absolutely fantastic we will not do spoilers here and it is just something you need to check out yourself it is a very interesting complimentary series of game of thrones and it definitely is able to hold its own compared to game of thrones and we can't wait to see what season two has in store for us which we'll be waiting for a while because they're going to start filming around early 2023 and we are looking forward to seeing the next part of this story as it unfolds so the next thing that we saw is three episodes at least the next three episodes of young sheldon and again this is one of our staple watch throughs in cable television it is amazing we love it and it just fills out our big bang theory need that has been left open since that show ended and we love it so next thing that we saw is our next staple in cable television and that is ghosts so the next two episodes again We can't recommend the show enough. It's a very quirky new show that we highly, highly recommend. And it's something that is we think is absolutely phenomenal because it does a little bit of messaging that we think is important to us and that we hold high in that we hold in high regard. And, you know, a little bit of positivity sprinkled in with there always brightens up our day when we watch this show. So next thing that we saw was the next episode of Saturday Night Live, hosted by Megan Thee Stallion. She's phenomenal, hilarious, and needs to be in more comedies. Maybe even in some dramas, because she could definitely hold her own. We don't know if she's a classically trained artist. She's probably not. She is, for those who don't know, she is a artist, or at least a musical artist and a rapper. And she's good at that. But we need her in more comedy series and dramas because she can definitely act and hold her own on the screen, has a very commanding screen pre- screen presence and we want to see more of her doing her thing. So the next thing that we saw is the second episode of the Quantum Leap reboot. We still don't know what to call it, but the new Quantum Leap series, it's very interesting. We've been kind of slow on it. We actually have to catch up on a lot of episodes but we're slowly making our way through and it's very interesting concepts and we we do want to watch the old show to get an idea of what it was like during the 80s or 70s whenever it aired so we'll keep you up to date on that but if not check out the new show if you are a fan of the old one so next thing that we saw is a tv show called call me cat now, this is starring Maya Bialik from Big Bang Theory fame and also Blossom, but she is the kind of in charge of this show herself. She has a lot of control and it's a little bit silly and goofy, but one thing that we like about this show is that it does something that we don't see a lot. At least we don't remember seeing it a lot, but it's at the end of the episode they break the fourth wall and the camera continues to roll as they wave high towards the live audience that is filmed in front of. And they just kind of do like a curtain call of sorts. And we actually really, really like that. A little bit unique for a TV show that you don't really see anymore. So go check it out. It's very, very interesting. And we, we absolutely get a kick out of it and very, very enjoyable. So the next thing that we saw is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Just trying to get our fill in before we say goodbye to Trevor Noah as the host. And we can't wait to see what he has in store for us with the last few weeks of episodes with him as a host. And to end things off, the last thing that we saw this week is a show talk show of sorts called hell of a week with charlamagne the god it is a show that talks about very important topics in the news headlines and just give different perspectives from different people and it's very interesting way to get you know more opinions from people that maybe don't get a chance to speak up and are given that chance and is a great way for us to Get more opinions and let the other side speak and give them a chance to present their side of the argument. So we love that kind of stuff and we can't wait to see more of this. So that is it for our What Did I Just Watch week. And let's move on to our next segment. And because we don't have a not-so-60 second this week because we didn't watch any movies, we're going to skip right into our segment after that, which is our Let's Get Physical, Physical Media and that is a segment where we talk about all the physical media, whether it's a book or CDs or Blu-ray 4K DVDs and anything of the sorts that pertains to something that we can touch, smell, and open and just look at, we will talk about. So this week, we got something unconventional that's not really related to the contents of our usual podcast, but It is something we like to talk about nonetheless, and that is a video game that we picked up. Now, if you don't know, we do like to play the video games, occasional video games, every now and then. But this week, we picked up Bayonetta 3, which is a game for the Nintendo Switch. Now, we don't want to get to all the details of it, but just know that it is a fantastic game, a trilogy of games that is visually impressive, storytelling savant and just a just a very interesting way of telling a story that is a little bit risque but also just making fun of certain things that usually don't get made fun of and we commend them for that because they dare not knock on the door that is very forbidden so to speak and we just love them for that so go check it out if you want to check out the property it's called Bayonetta she is a quote-unquote witch witch of sorts so we'll leave it at that and just know that we get a kick out of playing the video games and just seeing the visuals and storytelling of the trilogy so go check it out bayonetta series on the switch and that is it for our let's get physical physical media so let's jump right into our main event of the evening And that is our As Seen on a Saturday night. And that is a segment where we talk about one film or TV season or new to season series volume two is a movie or TV topic. And sometimes maybe we'll even do a film or TV show that didn't really get the light of day. And this is our opportunity to shine a light on that property, give it its due and maybe raise its popularity just a little bit but today we got a regular old film and it is a film that we cannot wait to talk about because a little spoiler it is one of our favorite films of 2022 and that is a little film called barbarian so if you are ready let's jump right into the recap for barbarian Tess Marshall is in the city of Detroit for a job interview. She arrives at the Airbnb house she booked in the neighborhood of Brightmoor and finds it double booked and occupied by Keith. Initially, Tess is hesitant to stay in the house with Keith because she does not know him and the inconvenience of making him take the couch. But she warms up to him and they have a nice evening of getting to know each other over a glass of wine. During the night, when they are both asleep, Tess in the bedroom and Keith on the couch, she hears the bedroom door slowly creep open and turns to look at the door. She looks through the open door from her bed and sees Keith on the couch making noises and moving erratically. She goes to check on him and unintentionally frightens him awake to ask if he was the one who opened her door, which he denies. The next morning, Keith has already left for the morning and Tess heads to her interview. As she walks out the door, she sees the neighborhood for the first time in broad daylight and sees that it is very decrepit compared to the Airbnb, which is the only house that is not in shambles. After the interview, the interviewer tells Tess to be careful because the area her Airbnb is in is in a very, very, very sketchy area. Tess returns home and is chased inside by a homeless man telling her to leave and to get out of the house. While inside the house, Tess looks for toilet paper and finds some in the basement. But the door to the basement slowly closes while she is downstairs and she is locked from the outside. She explores the basement and finds a rope that opens a hidden corridor. In this corridor, she finds a shady room with nothing but a dirty, stained mattress, a disgusting bucket, a bloody handprint, and camcorder. Horrified, she tries to find a way out of the basement and finds Keith returning home, and bangs on the basement window to help her out, which he does. Tess tells Keith what she saw and wants to leave immediately, and Keith, extremely confused, tells her to slow down, let him investigate before making any decisions. Keith goes to check the room in the hidden corridor, but when he doesn't return after a while, Tess gets worried and has to make the decision as to whether she should check up on Keith or leave the Airbnb immediately. She goes to check on Keith, but makes sure to use a heavy chair to prop the basement door open so it doesn't close on them, locking them in. She checks the sketchy room and doesn't find Keith, wondering where he is. There isn't a lot of room for him to hide in the basement corridor or room. Upon further investigation and hearing a faint echoing cry, she finds a door leading to a subterranean tunnel. She opens it and screams for Keith and hears him yelling for help. Get more faint every time she yells out his name. She makes it deep into the tunnel to find unsettling things such as unclean dog cages. She eventually finds a startled Keith who tells Tess that they need to leave, but need to go deeper into the tunnel instead of the way they came in because something is blocking their way back up, and that something bit Keith. As they try to leave, a huge figure runs towards them, grabs Keith, and smashes his head along the cavernous walls to a bloody pulp, killing him while Tess watches in horror. AJ Gilbride is an actor driving down the Pacific Coast Highway and receives a phone call where he learns he is being fired from the TV series he is the leading star in after sexual assault allegations made by his co-star. To pay for the legal costs, he would need to sell some of his assets and a rental property he owns. AJ travels to the property and it's a familiar looking Airbnb. He questions what happened to his property and is confused at the sight of clothes that are not his on the property. He tries to assess the square footage of the property and comes upon the basement and hidden quarter, asking his realtor in the process if it can possibly boost the value of the property. He tries to assess the square footage of the property and comes upon the basement and hidden quarter, asking his realtor in the process if it can possibly boost the value of the property. He continues to comically measure every single inch of the hidden corridor and room and discovers the subterranean tunnel, much to his excitement because he can now inflate the value of his property even more. He ventures down the subterranean tunnel and discovers a room with an old TV set playing a VHS tape about breastfeeding a young child, all while he is measuring every inch of the tunnel when he feels a tug of the measuring tape and eventually engages in a tug-of-war with an unknown entity in the dark the entity lets go and starts to rush towards the other end of the measuring tape towards aj and gives chase aj confused and horrified starts running while trying to navigate the dark tunnels while trying to escape the entity aj falls through the ground and lands inside a pit we hear a familiar voice tell aj to hush and be as quiet as possible the familiar voice being none other than tess who is alive and in the same pit as aj We see a brightly and cheery neighborhood in the 1980s and a familiar-looking Airbnb. The owner, Frank, steps out and goes to the supermarket. Afterwards, he impersonates a maintenance worker and enters an innocent woman's house to unlock her bathroom window. Back in the present, Tess explains to AJ about the entity in the subterranean tunnel is known as the mother and that she wants both of them to act as her children. The mother offers both Tess and AJ an unsanitary bottle of milk. Tess obliges while AJ rejects it. Angered and irritated at the rejection, the mother drags AJ out of the pit and into the room with the TV playing the breastfeeding VHS tape and attempts to manually breastfeed AJ. Seeing an opportunity to escape, Tess seizes the moment, but the mother catches wind of it, after Tess trips on AJ's measuring tape and gives chase. Tess hurries up to the basement and finds the door closed and tries to climb through the broken basement window and someone grabs her, pulling her out of the horror show. The person who saved her is the homeless man, Andre, who chased her into the house earlier in the film. He tells her that she is safe and needs to leave immediately and that the mother is not the worst thing in the Airbnb. Andre offers her to stay nearby the water tower until she settles down to leave town but Tess wants to go back in to save AJ. While all of this is happening AJ sees the chance to escape. AJ discovers a room that the mother is scared of approaching and he takes advantage of it by taking shelter in the room. Tess reaches a gas station nearby and tells police officers about what happened and they dismiss her as a drug addict and delusional but she is able to to convince them to investigate the scene. When Tess tries to convince them about what is really going on, they revert back to the initial exp- impression that she is a drug addict and dismiss her and leave. In the room, AJ finds a decrepit Frank barely clinging on to life. Thinking that Frank is a victim of the mother, AJ tells him that the police will look into the situation, so Frank asks AJ to bring a side table over to his bedside. AJ checks some VHS tapes that he has lying around in the messy, disgusting room and discovers that Frank is the real monster and the VHS tapes are his recordings of him sexually assaulting countless women in the corridor room. During AJ's discovery, Frank retrieves a gun from the side table and uses it to kill himself. AJ retrieves the gun and tries to find his way back out. As nightfall approaches, Tess gets in her car and attempts to drive away when the mother leaps out of the house and Tess pins the mother with her car to the house, allowing Tess to safely rescue AJ. As Tess makes her way down the tunnel and sees a blimp of light, a loud pop goes off and she drops to the floor and AJ rushes to her, profusely apologizing for accidentally shooting her. As they make their way out of the house, Tess points out that the mother is no longer pinned to the house and she is loose somewhere. So Tess guides them to the water tower where the homeless man, Andre, resides. Andre explains that the real horror of the house to Tess and AJ. The mother is a product of multi-generational incest committed by Frank and that he is the real monster. The mother eventually finds Andre's hideout and kills Andre, giving Tess and AJ little time to scramble and escape. AJ tries to take shelter on top of the water tower and Tess tries to follow suit but is slowed down by her wound. AJ fumbles and drops the gun when trying to prepare to shoot the mother but when Tess reaches the top of the tower and the mother catches up, AJ uses Tess as bait and throws her off the tower and the mother jumps off the tower after Tess to catch her. Successfully shielding Tess from the fall, AJ goes to check on Tess and attempts to apologize for his actions but the mother springs up and rips AJ's face in half, killing him. The mother tries to help Tess up back into the house to nurse her, but Tess reluctantly shoots and kills the mother. During the credits, there's a compilation of Tess slowly getting up and making her way to safety as the sun rises. And that is it for the recap of Barbarian. So let's get into the discussion of this excellent excellent film, Barbarian. Now, we're going to try to keep it short, because as we said before, this is one of our favorite films of all time, so if we really got the chance, we would be here all day, all year, all month, talking about this film. So we're going to try to condense our thoughts into as short as possible. So the first thing we're going to talk about is probably one of the most exciting and best aspects of this film, and that is everything about the first act tess's story everything in it was pure perfection we noted that it's actually a short film in its own right so it's about 40 minutes long and it starts in the beginning when she arrives in detroit and it ends when keith's head is smashed in and she is screaming in horror so if you notice the recap we didn't address it obviously because in the film it was exactly like that so after Keith gets his head smashed in and it shows a reaction shot of Tess looking at the mother. It cuts abruptly into AJ's scene singing in his car on the Pacific Coast Highway. And then we, you know, when we saw the film at first in theaters, we thought, you know, something was wrong and we thought that they accidentally played another movie because it was so abrupt and just at a place that after watching the film, we loved it and it was fantastic. So... That transition was just unexpected or lack thereof of a transition, but it was just so great. Everything about that first act. So from the tension, the horror, the suspense, subverting expectations, everything about it was fantastic. Now we can go on and on about it but we'll just go over briefly so the subverting expectations so you know the usual situation in whether it's realistic or in a fictional setting so realistic setting obviously if it's a woman that is in tess's place you would never ever want to be in that situation because it's unsafe and it's a little bit dangerous on the woman's part but also it's The unknown factor, you don't know who this strange man is in the house. And obviously, we are going to associate ourselves with Tess more because we are introduced to her first. So by proxy, we kind of put ourselves into her shoes and we feel for her immediately because she is a kind of warm hearted, you know, young woman who is kind of trying to escape a relationship that is not doing well it's hinted at but we didn't mention it in the recap because it doesn't pan out at the end it's just something that she's trying to maybe resolve in another side story but it's she gets a phone call from a pestering person now it's not implied who that person is but it can probably be guessed as a partner of hers or a husband or just someone that she's maybe seeing so she's trying to push away that part of for that person But, you know, the subverting expectations of, you know, this strange man, Keith, and this is one of the best subverting expectations. You would think, oh, this tall, strange, kind of creepy, but good-looking man is, is he a good person or not? And we wonder that for about 40 minutes. And for all of the 40 minutes in part one or act one or Tessa's story, we don't know whether he's good or not until the very end where he dies. And that is hilarious yet also heartbreaking. And then it's at that moment when it cuts, you're like, oh, you kind of feel bad for Keith because he was actually a good guy in the end. But up until those moments, the suspension and tension and thrilling aspect of it is that you never knew whether his intentions were good. And in our recap, we kind of, when we were writing it, we wanted to phrase it in a way where if if you haven't watched the movie and the recap was your first experience of us, describing the film or experiencing the film we wanted to be as vague as possible as to whether he was good or not we don't know why he would choose us for the recap over watching the actual film because the film is absolutely excellent but we thank you for that if that was your choice but it's just a great way of just how to stir up tension but using it in a way where you never expect and we love it and again we're already going on and on about it but we'll move on to the next point but just everything about to sum it all up first act Tessa story is just a masterclass in everything done right in thriller horror suspense genre and we absolutely love it and we would watch that as a just short film in and of itself and something we thought of that would be very interesting is showing two different people two different things so one person you give them the 40 minute cut which is tess's story and then the other person you let them watch the whole film it would be absolutely amazing to see what their thoughts are because you know last thing we'll say before we move on to the next discussion point is if you show them the 40 minute first act tess's story there's not really a satisfying ending in a way you don't know what happens to tess but in a way it's kind of the the solution or answer we get in the end is that keith was not the bad guy because You know, the mother is so little of the focus in Tess's story that it's just basically Tess and Keith. And the main point of that story, if it was to be only that distributed like that as a whole and nothing else with AJ and Frank and the rest of the Barbarian movie, just that 40 minutes, the whole purpose of that short film, we think, is just finding out is whether Keith is a good guy or a bad guy. And in the end, we did get that answer. And that was the main question that was needed to be answered so in a way Tessa's story is kind of works in a short film in and of itself and ah, we just love this film so so much so watch it if you haven't and if you have watch it again it's such a fantastic film we absolutely absolutely love it so moving on to finally the second thing that we want to talk about is we briefly mentioned it but just a four-act film and this is in a way a four-act film to us, we felt like, because it was broken down into four different, you know, baby structures. First act, we talked in repeat and in praise of it, Tessa's story. Second act is AJ's story a little bit, and then third act is Frank's brief story, and then the fourth act is the culmination of all three stories put into one, and what all three of those first. What all three of those stories lead up to, and the culmination of everything that happens. So, the best part about this is that upon rewatching it again, and in hindsight, is that it gets shorter with each act leading up to the final act, the fourth one, because you know the importance of each, the the length we would say is correlated to the importance of each story, and test being the longest, most important because it's. Her story and empowering what she did. Second story and third story, not as important because they're both two disgusting people and they're kind of written off as just not likable and we should spend as little time as possible, which we agree because those two characters are despicable, one more so than the other, but they're still both despicable. So we spent about 20 minutes with AJ's story, maybe a little bit less than that, and then 10 minutes or maybe even less with Frank's story because it's such a horrifying, horrifying part of the story but we should also mention that the horror aspect of this film because when we went in we were saying that oh there's a horror movie we don't do well with horror movies and it it's not gonna sit well with us but for the first three acts before it cuts to the culmination of the three stories there is nothing horrific or not that much gore in the first three acts the most gory thing is keith getting his head caved in in the second act with aj's story we there's no violence or nothing scary at all there's tension when aj's measuring in the subterranean tunnel and we get to see him have tug of war with the mother we don't know that was the mother but it's it's kind of just a great way of again subverting expectations as to what a horror film is and all the implications of horror especially in the third act of frank frank is the monster and the real real villain of this film and when we see his story we see him You know, live about his day in 1980s and a sunshine, cheery neighborhood. And then we see him go about his day. And the real the real horrific scene in this film is when he impersonates a maintenance worker, rings a doorbell and this innocent woman opens the door and he schmucks it up and says that he's here to, you know, check on some check on something. Whatever maintenance worker he was impersonating, we think it was a plumber or some sort of heat radiator fixer, something that has to do with maintenance, and he goes in to check. Actually, it was the bathroom, so he probably was being impersonating a plumber. So he goes into the bathroom, and he just... The most horrific part and horrific scene is that he switches or flicks the window latch open, and then he leaves the house. It... They don't expand anything upon it other than him flicking open the window. He goes back to his car and he just drives home and that's all that needs to be said. They don't explain what happens, but it's implied what happens because, you know, the actor who plays him, a little bit creepy. And it's it's not to offend the actor, but he does a great job in playing that character and showing the creepiness and all the subtle facial movements and his actions show that what he's going to eventually do and we find out what it is that he's done with that unlatching of the window bathroom window and it was great it sent chills down our spines and it's just subtle horror is always the worst kind of horror because it doesn't hit you until the movie's done and that's probably even scarier than something that hits you when you're watching the film because you know for us horror if at least we think when it hits you obviously in the face it's like oh okay you're scared in that moment but then when it's horror that you don't notice until 15 20 maybe an hour after it hits you that's when it's uh, it's most scary because that means it has lingered in your mind and then that's when it pops up when you least expect it where it just creeps on you and just sends the biggest tingle down your spine that is when it's most effective so we absolutely love it and We're getting off topic, but let's move on to the next discussion. So the next one, we briefly discussed it already, but it's the handling of the film's real monster. And for the first three act, and maybe first half of the last act, it shows that the mother is kind of maybe the real monster. But in the end, we find out that that's not the case. It's Frank, and obviously, in the most literal term, you can say that the mother was visually like a monster, but... A product of multi-generational incest is never their fault. And the mother did not ask for this. She is just literally raised in an environment that caused her to be what she is, which is extremely unfortunate. And it just goes to, again, it does a great job of not explaining by explaining why empathy should be for the mother and none for Frank. And it just does so many good things things in the way of not really explaining explaining stuff and it's such a it, we can't we can't say it enough but it's such a good film and we love it that it, it it can it deserves our praise for why we love it but we can't put into words how much we love it so we just can endlessly praise it that's the only way we we have our That's the only way we can express our feelings about this film. But it's just so smart and such an intellectual film. It doesn't treat audience members as idiots, which we love and we absolutely love it. So it's just the way they treat the monster and how, yeah, sure, you know, going into a film like this, you would think the traditional monster of the film, bad guy of the film, is the literal monster that we see that caved Keith's head in. But no, it's just product of the environment very unfortunate and it's it at this is a scene that we really really enjoyed at the end which is when the mother tries to nurse tess back home and tries to bring her back into the house you see kind of the vulnerability and the kind of sadness in the mother's eyes like it basically says she's basically kind of or the mother is trying to basically say can you put me out of my misery in a way because the mother sees tess put the gun up to her face she doesn't do anything about it, and it seems like she accepts her fate, or the mother seems to accept their fate, and very, very sad, and you, it's it's such a sad story that when you dig deep into it, it's we're not going to dive into the darker parts of this, it's all pretty much kind of... Explain to you sub uh, unconsciously or subconsciously that there the real horror is within Frank's story and that's the part we don't want to touch upon because we don't want to, kind of, just give that kind of person the type of light. But we will say that there is kind of real world horror like that, and the only thing we can do is by preventing that is just raising awareness to just, you know, raise your kids better. You know, a, a less something like this is has to be kind of learned from a young age to prevent a person to be like this and it's it's unfortunate but we can try to do our best so that the next generation of kids and human beings can learn from our mistakes and never ever never ever let something like this happen now we don't know if real life cases of this are actually true we can only imagine that it probably is that we don't know about but we'll we'll leave that on another note. So, the next thing we want to talk about before we talk about some of the takeaway and and the segment which is something we touched upon briefly, which is the right amount of everything. So, imagine this is a cake of a film. It just has all the right flavors and toppings and portions of everything. So, nice sprinkling of comedy and horror and thriller suspense everything you could ask for in those types of films it's the right amount of just of each segment and you know the comedy we'll explain briefly is in a film like this is when AJ just Justin Long's character he measures every single inch of the property it's plays for laughs and most of the comedy is from his segment because for most of it you kind of laugh off everything that he does from his singing in the car to his handling of his sexual assault allegations. They, they play in a way where it's, he kinds of want to brush it off, but you're like, this guy's not being serious, right? He's, he, he's kind of an idiot. And, and then when you top that off with him measuring every single inch of, the property that he owns, then you're like, oh right, this guy really is an idiot and he definitely doesn't deserve our empathy because he is not a good human being. And then we see him at the end maybe trying to redeem himself, but then when he chucks Test off the water tower, you're like, Alright, this is not funny. This is this is this is not a good human being. We just got off the topic, but we know but it's just the way comedies handle is weirdly just appropriate so we thought we would bring that up and you know everything else is pretty self explanatory from the horrors and the gore just the right amount of everything that makes this such a satisfying cake or film or cake of a film is that we love it and you know who would have thought that in the year 2022 that we think that a horror film is one of our favorite films of the year maybe of all time seeing how time treats this film but We love it and we are ever grateful for a film that's like this because it's nothing, nothing like it. So last thing we want to talk about before we end this segment with some trivia and some MVP is our takeaway. And there's only one and it's not touched upon too much, but it does linger over you, which is two ways of interpreting it. Taking responsibility for your actions or accepting the consequences of your actions so those can be applied to two people that we took it from which is one of them is taking responsibilities is aj taking responsibility for what he's done he can't recover from it but he can only maybe help others get some closure or at least apologize for what he's done apology ain't gonna do anything at that point but at least he should be able to bring comfort to the people he has harmed and try to make it less painful for them on their road to recovery or whatever they need to just recover from what they experienced at the expense of AJ's actions. And the other one is accepting the consequences of your action. This one's a little less subtle and actually not less subtle. More subtle is that Tess she chose to rescue AJ. Now, given she doesn't know that he has those allegations over him, but that just goes to show her character and what kind of character she is, and that she's just a good person. She wants to save everyone, and eventually, we also kind of see that she understands how the how she feels for the mother and the sympathy she has for the mother, because, like we said, she kind of the mother kind of gives her the look where just saying put her out of her misery, which is one of the saddest scenes in the film, and she Tess doesn't want to do it but she understands that this this person went through so much pain and has basically mutated to the point of just unrecognizable. And it's sad. And Tess wants to help her. And whether she'll be accepting the consequences of those actions, that's a little bit different because it's a little bit harder in terms of legal standpoint, but that's another story for another time and something that... They have to figure out, not us. But from our takeaways, it's just something that we learned and we want to accept into ourselves and bring it into the real world of actual life. So that's it for our discussion points for this film. Let's get into some MVP and some trivia before we close out the show with some of our charity foundations for this week. So this week, the MVP is not a shocker at all because we've been praising her segment of the film. It is Tess Marshall, who is played by actress, actor, Georgina Campbell. She's absolutely excellent in this film. She absolutely owns it. And you know it's amazing to see how good she is. We've never heard of this actress. We've probably seen her in one or two other things, but it's not someone that stood out to us in other stuff that she's been in. We don't think we've seen her in other stuff, but she was absolutely amazing in this and it kind of shows that she is a good actress or drama actress. Would we have liked to see her in some of the more comedy sprinkles of this film? Probably, but we'll see maybe she'll be in another film where she gets to showcase that but runner-up for this mvp goes to bill skarsgård you know the preconceived notion of he's probably the most well-known besides justin long for this film but justin long wasn't even advertised in the marketing for this film which is absolutely excellent that's another story we could talk about in about this film but we won't bill skarsgård he's being marketed in this film and you know Bill Skarsgård, famous for playing Pennywise the clown, so the preconceived notion of already going into this film is that oh, Bill Skarsgård, he's gonna play a bad guy in this film, and he's gonna be hit against Georgina's Tess Marshall. So that's where the first, br- that's where the brilliance of the first act comes into because you're like, okay, so the main, the main end game for this is finding out whether who walks out of this alive, Georgina, Tess Marshall, or Keith, and in this case. Tess is the one that walks out, and Keith is actually a good guy, but he doesn't get to walk out either. So, brilliance of that, we love it, and just we'll briefly go into marketing for this film. They show you nothing, nothing about Justin Long's segment and Frank's segment. They have a trailer separately after the movie came out showcasing Justin Long's segment, but that's... It's another thing and it's just a short brief trailer of some of the stuff. So a little it's a little bit more spoilerific, but you can check it out. It's very interesting how they marketed this film and it's absolutely perfection. So everything we love about this film is just amazing and yeah, we can't sing the praises for this film enough and we will continue to do so as long as we are alive to talk about it. So, let's get into some trivia before we end this episode. And we got quite a few. So, Richard Brake, the person, actor who played Frank in this film, he actually attended a late night screening of the film and that a group of teenagers were sitting in a few rows behind him. They were getting into the film and were terrified. And when the film was over, they were leaving and then they were using the flashlights on their phone to leave and the light accidentally caught Richard breaks face, and the teens recognize him from the film, and they started screaming and ran from the theater in actual genuine fear. We thought that was hilarious, and Richard Brake posted this as a story on his Instagram page, which makes us want to check it out. Hopefully, he archived it or have it saved somewhere that can be shown, because that would be a great piece of marketing that they could use to promote the home media or on digital demand service release for this film, which we believe is probably out by the time you're listening to this episode. So next two bits of trivia. First one is the mother's hair. So when we were talking about the baby bottle that was being offered to AJ and Tess, when we say unsanitary, that was a light statement. So it was very dirty and there's like hair from the mother on it. And we should also say, the person who portrays the mother is Matthew Patrick Davis. He was in the suit for the mother, and some of the hair from the wig got stuck on the nipple of the bottle. And uh, the director thought it looked gross, so he decided to add more to add to the disgusting aspect of the film. And Tess Marshall, Georgina Campbell, actually... She was actually drinking from the bottle. In the film, you see her actually suckle the bottle, and it's both hilarious and horrific. And yeah, so that was funny, and that was a great little tidbit that we learned that just makes this film so much better. So, last bit of trivia is actually really hilarious. So, the film's special effects are largely done practically, as Krager has a soft rule for himself not to use any technology that John Carpenter didn't have whilst making The Thing from 1982. The biggest digital effects shot in the film is the grass in the 1980s flashback after all on-set efforts to grow it or fake it failed. That's hilarious because you would think monster film, oh, monster assault CGI. Nope, we mentioned that the mother actually is a practical suit and probably all the blood that he splattered all over Keith and got out of when he was smashing when he was smashing keith's head in but that's hilarious that the grass in the film was the the only special effects or at least largely special effects we'll have to rewatch to find out and take a look at it closely but it's great we love it and again it just adds to the charm that we love about this film and if you haven't already been listening the past 30 20 minutes or so we've been praising this film that if it isn't obvious this will be our film of the year or at least one of our films of the year because it is just brilliant, intelligent, smart, super entertaining and just something we could only ask for in a film and it's not based on any existing IP, which is always awesome. Something original from someone's mastermind of a brain and we absolutely love it. So, it is available for you to watch. On digital on demand services so check it out we believe it's actually on hbo max streaming service so go check it out if you are a subscriber of that but it was also released on star plus in latin america and part of disney plus streaming service in other international territories so check it out it is a film we highly 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 recommend it is one of our favorite films of the year that's a sentence that we probably repeated profusely throughout the past 20 minutes but we love it it's a film that we're definitely going to buy on 4k if they release it or on blu-ray and maybe multiple times we'll buy it but we love this film and the only thing we'll see is whether this film will hold up to the test of time hopefully we hopefully it will because it would be a shame if it doesn't but we absolutely love this film so Barbarian is directed by and with a screenplay written by Zach Krager. And it stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skosgard, and Justin Long. And it is available for you to watch on Video On Demand Services. Just look up the film. We highly, highly recommend it. And that is it for this week's As Seen on a Saturday night. So... We're going to close out the show, but before we do, we have, as usual, our weekly charity foundations that we would like to talk about this week. And this week is very on topic because the more serious topic of barbarian was something that we can't help but notice is an unfortunate thing that happens in real life, and that is sexual assault. And this week, we got multiple foundations that can help out sexual assault victims and the first one is called RAIN. So RAIN stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, and it is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. So their website you can check out is rain.org spelled r a i n dot org. You can check out their website for any information or if you or someone that you know is a victim of sexual assault, you can reach their website and learn more about what you can do to help someone who is a victim. We will leave all the websites and all the foundation's websites in the show notes so you can check it out and and help someone out. So, Rains hotline is 800-656-HOPE. And again, you could visit and view more of their information about their network on the website rain.org, spell R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. So the next foundation we want to talk about is a foundation called Take Back the Night Foundation, and this is a little bit about them with their mission. To end all forms of sexual violence, including sexual assault, sexual abuse, trafficking, stalking, gender harassment, and relationship violence, and to support survivors in their healing journeys. We foster safe communities through international events and initiatives. Take Back the Night events unite people from every background, belief, and culture around the world to take a visible and vocal stand. So, you can support their movement and their foundation by visiting their website, TakeBackTheNight.org and like every foundation we will be talking about today, it will be linked in the show notes. Go see what you can do and maybe learn more a little bit about them. So the next foundation for this week is a foundation called WINGS and this is a little bit about them. Their mission, which is building systems of support for adult survivors combining in-depth health expertise with the healing power of community and their vision, healthy living, relationships, and communities for all. So if you want to learn more about them and see what you can do to help out their foundation, their website is wingsfound.org and you can check out their website in the show notes. We'll have it linked there and check it out and see what you can do to help them out as well. So the next foundation that we have is called the National Child Traumatic Stress Network. And this is their mission. To raise the standard of care and improve access to services for traumatized children, their families, and communities throughout the United States. And you can learn more about them at their website, which is nctsn.org. That is for the National Child Traumatic Stress Network. You can learn more about what they do and see what you can do to help them out. The next foundation that we have is the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. And this is not really a foundation of sorts, but it is a place for you to find resources and tools to help those who are victims of of sexual harassments, assault or abuse or violence and seeing what you can do to help maybe prevent those in the future or help those who are healing from previous trauma. So their website is nsvrc.org and this is the national sexual Violence Resource Center. So check out their website to see what kind of resources and tools you can use on there to help those who are in pain and need maybe a guiding hand along their healing process journey. And the last foundation we have for this week's episode is a foundation called Joyful Heart Foundation. And this is their vision and mission. So their vision is a world free of sexual assault, domestic violence, and child abuse. And their mission is to transform society's response to sexual assault, domestic violence, and child abuse, support survivors' healing, and end this violence forever so you can also check out their website and see what you can do to help victims and survivors of those traumas by visiting their website joyfulheartfoundation.org and again with all the foundations we listed and talked about this week you can find all their websites and information on their websites linked In the show notes, see what you can do to help out these brave people on the journey of recovery and healing. And we would greatly appreciate it if you can maybe spread the word so that more people who want access to this information can access it. And we greatly thank you for helping and listening to us spread the word on this cause. So that is it for this week's episode. And, you know, the takeaway from this episode is that, you know, We love film and sometimes we love it when the film tries to say something about real life situations and that's what this film did for us. It was a combination of everything that made it so brilliant is that it was saying something that kind of is still relevant to this real world that we're living in right now, which is still unfortunate that something like this and something as traumatic as these kind of actions are still happening, that it still needs to be talked about, but here we are and we can only do our best to try to prevent the next generation from enduring these types of trauma and we can only help guide them to a better world and that's what we always look forward to doing. So we would appreciate it if you can help everyone out and those who are trying to heal by supporting and maybe visiting those foundations so that they can help as much people as they can. So, we would appreciate it. So this week, we thank you to everyone for listening. And if you are a new listener, how are you doing? Hopefully you enjoy this episode. Go give our previous episodes a listen and maybe follow, subscribe, and get notified when new episodes drop. That is usually every Tuesdays. And for returning listeners, thank you for your loyal ears and eyes and brains as we discuss films that and TV that we like. We greatly appreciate your loyalty. But if you want to continue any discussions that we have, as we always do, you can reach us on the social media pages, Instagram and the Twitters. That is at WDIJW. P.O.D. that is on the Instagram and the Twitters. We would appreciate any forms of discussion. Doesn't have to be limited to film or TV. We like to talk about all sorts of things and we like to lend a ear to anyone who would require an ear or a shoulder to, you know, rest on. We love being able to talk to people and maybe just listen sometimes because sometimes all someone really needs is a ear to listen to or a head to rest on or shoulder. But you can also do that by reaching us on the social media pages. Again, at WD, on the Instagram and the Twitters. So check us out on there. And we would greatly appreciate it if maybe you, you know, give us a review. That's not the most necessary part, but if you can, you know, share this podcast with someone that you know, whether they like film or TV or not, or maybe just something to listen to while you clean the house, wash the dishes, or, you know, keep the ears and mind occupied, hopefully we can do that for you. and by introducing this podcast to someone that is, you know, like a little bit of a distraction. We would like to be said distraction so that, you know, you get to escape from the harsh realities of this world and just embrace in the kind of silliness we like to provide for that week. And hopefully we we are able to do that. So that is all for this week. We got another exciting episode for you to listen to next week. And... Before we leave you, we will leave you with this, which is be kind, stay safe, and we will talk to you next week.